Hey listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Cancer Doctor podcast. My name is Adrian. I'm the producer of our podcast here at cancerdoctor.com. Before I turn it over to this eye-opening conversation with Dr. Carlos Bautista, where we learn more about Immunity Therapy Center and how they approach alternative cancer care, I just wanted to let you know this is part two of our series with Dr. Bautista. So if you haven't listened to part one, click the link in the show notes and listen to that episode first for more context on this continued conversation. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to our amazing host, Robert Carrillo. Hey everyone, this uh, podcast I want to let you know is brought to you by Immunity Therapy Center. Immunity Therapy Center is located in Tijuana, Mexico. You can find them at immunitytherapycenter.com. If anyone you know or you love or care about uh, thinks they may be facing cancer or they have a cancer diagnosis, feel free to give them a call and contact them for a free medical doctor consultation. I wanted to, to talk to you about a really important topic now that always comes up when a patient, let's say in the United States or even Canada, is thinking about crossing the border into Mexico for healthcare. The last, some of the last data that I read, and this might have been from 2020, um, that there were, I think approximately 2 million, 2 million Americans that were leaving the United States for healthcare somewhere in the world. But out of this number, it was approximately 800,000 of them were going directly to Mexico for health care. Mm-hmm. Now, I find this really um, a surprising figure, uh, especially in light of that there are those that believe going to Mexico is very dangerous for mm-hmm. anything from taking a vacation or going for health care. Now, these 800,000 people that go to Mexico for health care in this particular year anyway uh, – it's for, for a variety of ailments. It could be dentistry. It could be cancer. It could be mm-hmm. bariatric surgery. There's all kinds of things that people go there for. What do you have to say to, to those that may be thinking, well, it's not it's not safe to go to Mexico for healthcare? Well, that's a, an issue that we have to deal with all the time. Unfortunately, particularly in Tijuana, the reputation that we have is, you know, exactly what you're saying. Things that happen, other areas, you know, automatically we are in the same spot, you know, even if something happens in Yucatan, which is like in the other side of the country. But yeah, definitely that's an issue. And that's why we always ask when we ask for a testimonial, that's one of the reasons why we ask about their environment, what they think about the city. Tijuana is like any other big city, you know, where there are areas that you're not supposed to go. And it's something that um, it's hard for us to do something about because it's, you know, it's the press, it's the media, it's mm-hmm. that's the image that we have. Mm-hmm. But I can assure you that it's safe and that if you go with treatment, nothing will happen. And uh, it's just like being in any other big city. Right. Mm-hmm. I was well from you yesterday that there's a lot of crime, for example, in Atlanta. Right. Mm-hmm. They're saying that mm-hmm. or in other areas. 
and uh, very unfortunate situation, but it doesn't mean that it's a bad place. It's just mm-hmm. it means that you need to be careful and mm-hmm. uh, and 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 uh, and get go and do what you're supposed to do or what you want, and and that's it. But particularly with Tijuana, it's an issue that we have. Very unfortunate, but um, I think the service that we provide that it's unique and you cannot get the type of treatment that you get with us anywhere else. Um, it's, it, it works. It, 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 it is worth it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, there's, um, uh, crime is everywhere in the world and evil people can exist anywhere. And in the United States, there are cities that yeah. are not safe to, there's certain areas where you wouldn't walk in the middle of the night down the street. It's just not, yeah, wise, right? So I don't view personally Tijuana any any different. Tijuana has really grown over the years. I remember when I was a little boy, and yeah. uh, we used to go to Tijuana. It was it just wasn't. I think, I think today, I think the population in Tijuana is over two million people. And Something it's, like it's, that. Yeah, we have a lot of floating population that comes and goes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely mm-hmm. around that two three million. Yeah, and I've met uh, people that have relocated to Tijuana from. All over the world. All over the world. <laughs> There's, I've seen yeah. uh, Asians. Um, well, the thing is that a, a lot of people that try to cross their border, you know, they're returned there and they stay there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Asians that came, a lot of from Venezuela, a lot of so yeah, from all over. All over the world. Yeah, yeah. It's like a retirement. Uh, well, they stay there, you know, they return them to to Mexico and that's where they stay. Yeah. And actually they do good. You know, they there's a lot of work in Tijuana. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, uh, they do good. If they work and they are good people, mm-hmm. you know, they're mm-hmm. welcome. Yeah. I mean, there is there is a, a high number of Americans now that retire in Tijuana or right across the border. And yeah. um, so obviously when I think about this, I think, well, it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot cheaper, but I'm thinking, well, it must have a a fair amount of safety or else yeah, it wouldn't be moving there. There is there I don't know. Well, there's a lot of uh US citizens going uh living in the between Tijuana and Ensenada, even a little bit more south than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a huge US community. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's that's good to know. Yeah, uh, because the viewers need to know that there is a there are Americans that are living down there. Oh, you yeah. got people from all over. Oh the world. yeah, yeah, thousands but, of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because everything we hear in the news here about it went well. The negative news, I should say, um, drug cartels. Uh, yeah, watch out. But Mexico is also a, a fairly. Uh, it's bigger than just Tijuana. And so yes. there's parts of the country are, you know, five hours away or, or six hours away down, you know, traveling down south. So it's some of the things you hear are happening much further away than Tijuana. We are a huge country, you know, yeah. it's, and uh, huge. And uh, there's many different Mexicos, you know. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, there are, there are these organizations, crime organizations. But, uh, again... If you don't go to the wrong places or, you know, you'll be fine. It's good. Yeah. All right. No problem. And one of the things that you that you do at Immunity Therapy Center, 
is you pick up people at the airport. Tell us about that, what that looks like and why you do that. And Well, we want to make it as easy as possible. You know, we understand that transportation when they come into Mexico could be a little bit uh, difficult. So we have our own vehicles and we pick up patients, whatever, not only the airport, if they come by train, we go to the train station or we go whatever they tell us and we pick them up and bring them to the hospital. And uh, yeah, we do all the time. Jose uh, Valenzuela is one of our drivers and we have other drivers as well. He coordinates everything and uh, he's been with me since the very beginning as, as well. And um, and yeah, we we try to make it as easy as possible for the patients to have uh, a good experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jose's a good man, and he's picking them up at the San Diego airport in Southern California. Is yeah, what he's doing all the time. Yeah, we the train station, up even to LA or whatever. We will do any effort to bring uh, patients to our hospital, meaning meaning that we want to make it easy. It's good to know. One of the things that struck me um, about Immunity Therapy Center is the high numbers of the Amish community uh-huh. that are going there for healthcare. Um, how is that happening, and what? How are they finding out? I mean, they don't. They obviously aren't on the internet. They're not on the internet. They're um, how? And and I'm I'm taken aback that I've met. You know, when I've been there the Amish and they come with their families. They're very supportive of one another. They're an incredible, they have an incredible culture yes. as far as their family culture is just and they're fantastic. Good people. They're good people. Yeah. Yeah. But how, how, what are you doing to make contact with? Well, it is, um, it's been a process. It's not like one day to the next. It's been a process of giving them good results. You know, there's different, very big communities, mostly in the Northeast of the U S at least that's what I know. Mm-hmm. But actually, my first contact with Amish people was in um, Mennonite yeah, people. It was with a community in Belize, you know. Oh, really? Uh, in that Belize? was in, and in Chihuahua as well, in really? Mexico. Okay. There's a big community. And I don't know. It's been word of mouth more than anything because we treated some, uh, back many years ago, we treated some. Patients, they did well. They were cured. They were cured, and more, most of them, with them, is word of mouth. They tell their family and their friends about us, and 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 that's how it happened. You know, it's been a, a process. It's not something in particular that we do other than give them good results and treat them well. And obviously, we go to their fairs and uh, events that they they invite us to go and um and that's how we build a relationship with with them and uh, we are very happy to receive them and to give them good results so uh yeah and a good number of patients that come in are from from that community it's great mm-hmm. very, that's really good because when i think about um the amish community they um trust is really important for them they have to trust you in order to, well, you know, yeah, take that we're, step. We're very transparent and we want to make sure that we give them their best option, you know, and we're very clear. And yeah, definitely not only with them, but with everybody, mm-hmm. you know, that's our, 
policy that we... Because you know what? In this situation with alternative medicine, there's been a lot of fraud, you know, taking advantage of, of patients and people. And we don't want to do that. Absolutely. That's why we want to be very clear and and very um, emphasize on, on, on what we can do, what we can offer uh, or limits. And, um, and I think... Amish people like that and everybody like that. And they always see that we make our best effort, you know, to help them. Very good. Very good. I was, there's a couple of things that you said um, that I want to develop a little bit. You've made it really clear that when you communicate with potential new patients, that you set the expectation about what you can do and what you can't do. And a little while ago, you were mentioning the Amish and some of them had results and you used the word cure, right? They were cured. And so they told others. And I'm assuming that when you say cure, hey, they went into remission or there was no evidence yeah. of disease. Well, I'm telling you cure because these are patients that we treated many years ago okay. and now they're cured. Obviously, when I use that word, it's because they already went through a process of many years without the presence of cancer. And, and, and yeah, we have many, thank God, many, many cases like, like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, But when they contact us for the first time, we want to make sure, because some people have these unreal expectations sometimes, you know, that that is not, and, and that's why we try to avoid to get into those situations, you know, because then, Likely, if it's a situation where uh, we can, if we sometimes we cannot even accept the patient, you know, but that's why we have our initial evaluation. And there are cases that we're not sure exactly how it's going to go. So we just tell them, you know, realistically what, what you can expect. So, so we just want to prevent conflict and just making sure that they understand that, 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 they understand their 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 current clinical condition and what they can expect. So it, that's important mm -hmm. for us. So when I use the word cure right now in this conversation, it's because patients that I'm referring to are without, you know, cancer activity for many years. Are we talking like over five years, ten years? At least at least five years. At least five years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. That's good to know. All right. That's really good to know. Yeah, because you mentioned, uh, you know, some patients are coming in and their expectations are really high. Uh, that expect They may be thinking they can come to immunity therapy center or some facility like immunity therapy center and maybe be cured of cancer in a week or three weeks or four <laughs> weeks. And, and so explain, though miracles are possible, right? I mean, I'm not going We've to seen it. it. Yeah. I'm but, not going to. But tell you otherwise but yeah. why is a why isn't the idea that in a week or two or three weeks you could just like make cancer disappear why is that expectation not fair why is that like that's unreasonable i mean as a medical doctor i'm asking this question to you what's the, the, thing, the thing is that cancer has many variables it has many factors that can cause a cancer and um Sometimes cancer already affected many organ function, 
you know that's mainly the 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 reason mm -hmm. that sometimes organs are affected for example let's say a colon cancer that went to the liver that's the most frequent area where colon cancer is metastasized and affects the function right then already we have a um, a very uh, difficult or or deteriorated organ function so patients with that problem for example is going to be more difficult because their liver is not processing the treatments and all the even vitamins correctly so there's other factors other than just the cancer you know that can make things more difficult so so we can kill the cancer but the liver it's already affected you know and and that's difficult to mm. recover for example mm -hmm. so so it's not only us killing the cancer it, it it has other variables and other factors around the nutrition part the the liver the the toxicity you know there's other factors around it mm -hmm. that definitely we don't know exactly what is going to happen in certain patients mm -hmm. with other ones because of our experience we have a pretty good idea how things might go or what our chances are of putting them in remission. Um, but um, but that will be the reason more than anything. It's good. Mm -hmm. it's, it's good to know that you mentioned the liver. And when I think about the liver, I think about this this organ that we need to filter everything, right? That's mm -hmm. coming through. And if it's impaired, that's, that's difficult. And... Uh, I'm asking this this next question based upon what you just said, but help the patient understand right now how fragile just health in general can be. That a lot of times I think we do, you know we take our health for granted. Hey, I'm healthy. I'm feeling good. I can yeah. run. I can play. But as a medical doctor, try to explain to somebody watching this how health can be very fragile at times and it could just go the wrong way yeah. to a place that you were not expecting and it just takes you way down a road that's very dark and very painful, full of suffering. Mm -hmm. Educate us about how fragile health is. Well, you said it. Uh, sometimes we don't understand how fragile, how easy things can go wrong. And um, how so many things need to be very well balanced to be healthy. We have in our body a million different systems, enzymes, hormones. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so many different substances and, and that needs to be very well timed and checked and balanced. And uh, so at any time, for whatever reason, things can go wrong. We are producing, for example, cancer cells every day and our body immune system uh, sometimes for, is able to, to keep it in check. But sometimes because something happens, you know, uh, these, um, these cancers start to, to reproduce and it could be from you were being exposed to a toxic that make that immune system go low a little bit and that will be the opportunity for these cells to grow or it could be i don't know that you ate something you know and your body's not able to fight the bacteria that kind that came in the food 
So I don't know. We're exposed to a million things different all the time, different viruses mm -hmm. lately, the COVID thing that happened, the pandemic. So, so we are always, the body's been constantly, you know, uh, there will be aggression to the body all the time, even from the environment. Nowadays, unfortunately, our environment is getting more toxic, you know, with different chemicals in our water, in our food, in our everywhere. And um, things go wrong easily. That's why we're seeing nowadays, instead of things getting better, getting worse with not only cancer, but chronic degenerative disease like diabetes, you know, nowadays it's a very severe public health issue um, with uh, high blood pressure, you know, uh, autoimmune problems, arthritis, uh, all these other things that are happening definitely has a lot to do with our environment, mm. you know, with what we eat, what we do, the lack of exercise. So, so definitely, uh, our health is very fragile. Going back to that, and there's so many things that 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 will, uh, uh, you know, attack us. That that we have to be on guard and do the best we can to try to prevent that. Cancer, unfortunately, is a consequence of the same. Okay. Definitely. Okay. So it sounds like if there was ever a time for us to be proactive with our health because of the environment, because of the things we're exposed to today that maybe our grandparents weren't exposed to. Exactly. Um, because of all the exposure, now is the time to be very proactive with your own health care. In other words, it's your best insurance policy. Take care of your health. Yeah. Respect your health. As much as you can. Obviously, there will be things that you don't even know about, mm -hmm. that we don't even know about. But yeah, definitely, as much as we can, definitely, we need to be proactive, like you said, on, on taking care of ourselves and and prevent these diseases from happening. Mm -hmm. What are some simple changes regarding, you know, being proactive that people should incorporate into their life? Things that, that, that well, really, because there's so many systems in play in our body, right? But what yeah. are some things that people should... Well, there's a lot of information out there, you know, about diet, exercising. Actually, we are having a new facility it's called Montevalle. And that is a place where a patient or a, we don't call them patients, we have called them guests. And we have some, uh, for example, some detoxification process, IVs like chelation and and glutathione, curcumin. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's different therapies, hyperbaric oxygen. Definitely, if you can be proactive doing those kind of things every year or so, definitely that can help you a lot, mm -hmm. boosting your health. Um, but um, I will tell that maybe one of the best things that you can do to prevent all of those chronic degenerative diseases is uh, diet and uh, exercise. Uh, that will be the key elements. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So I've a heard good you diet. Yeah, a good low, diet. A low sugar diet. A low sugar <laughs> diet. <yeah>. Okay, <laughs> I yeah. will say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've heard uh, you know, quite a bit how cancer feeds off sugar. So okay. 
diet and exercise, two probably most important things a person can do. And you mentioned Monte Valle. So this is a separate, this is a health center retreat that you operate yes, for people that, to, that want to go there annually and invest in their own health care. Yeah, Valle de Guadalupe near Ensenada is wine or wine country there is becoming very famous. And um, yeah, that that facility was because of the need that I saw on on healthy people, healthy on quotes, uh, trying to prevent diseases. You mm -hmm. know, having mm -hmm. the opportunity to get IVs and to be able to go into a hyperbaric chamber and and have these other uh, biomagnetic, bioresonance, anti-inflammatory treatments. Definitely nowadays, I think that is necessary for everybody to do to to continue being healthy because the um the environment is getting so polluted right now that you won't be able to do it by yourself all of it you definitely need some help like that you know to achieve uh better health and to feel better okay mm -hmm. so you're you're also working in prevention i mean i'm working on prevention and 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 we have itc where we treat unfortunate, unfortunately all these patients that already develop cancer mm -hmm. and fighting their current situation. But definitely we try to prevent, you mm -hmm. know, uh, people um, developing these type of problems. And that's why we, I made this or created this other facility. And we're starting. Let's see how it goes. It's a really nice resort. You know, we have all the... Uh, meditation, yoga, uh, all of those type of activities in combination with these other treatments that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. We have a reflexology path. We have a meditation labyrinth. We have a very nice restaurant where we provide very good food and diet. And uh, and the surroundings are beautiful. It's good. It's really good. You're invited, Robert, anytime you want. <laughs> Let me take you up on that offer. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things uh, over at Immunity Therapy Center, and you mentioned this earlier, was the, the role of nutrition, like with the patients, when you're mm -hmm. when you're getting the updates every day. If you you mentioned something about if we have to make a, an adjustment to their nutrition plan, you have a couple of nutritionists there on we staff. We have three. Three nutritionists. Name them for me, the three. Uh, Fernanda. Um, Fernanda. Mariana and Nicolás. Got it. Okay, so they're the three nutritionists. And so they're the ones responsible for making sure that each patient is getting their nutritional needs net. Exactly. Not when they're at immunity therapy center. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you guys have a full-blown kitchen and chef and dining yes, area and all that. But before they, when the patient come in, one of the first things they do is they go and have their nutritional evaluation. Because sometimes, many times, cancer patients are malnourished. They are not getting the... There is this belief, for some reason, that that having calorie-deprived uh, diets are good for cancer, and that's, that's the case. Calorie restriction, you're saying? Yeah, calorie okay. restriction mm -hmm. diets. Mm -hmm. The thing is that your immune system needs <laughs> the nutrients to work properly, and there's there is certain amount of calories... There are needed to to maintain the weight because in cancer you don't want to lose weight and um, but you know there is some a lot of very different information on different diets that patients follow and that's what they do but 
when they come in uh we see where they're they're uh, they're lacking of because usually they're lacking nutrients so we try to incorporate that through nutrition and give them the proper calorie intake with a low sugar diet you know a low glucose a low glycemic index diet but we want to give them the the, the amount of calories that they need for her for their immune system to function and for to preserve weight or recover some of the weight loss sometimes we need to if they're very malnourished sometimes we use uh, parental nutrition as well you know nutrition by the vein okay uh, and well we do whatever we need to do to make sure that they are getting the uh, the calories that they require okay that's very important so you want to hit those nutritional goals on a daily basis yeah because that again one of the main things that we do it's immune system or trying to stimulate the immune system and uh nutrition is very is key for that as well you know in in in, in a deprived nutrient uh, diet immune system won't won't function well won't okay. respond well it's good to know that mm -hmm. it's really good to know that okay great if a patient has, let's just, you're, you you want to hit these nutritional goals, like caloric goals and calories, but if a patient comes in and they have a, I don't know, a specific diet that they stick to, like there's certain things that they, they, they don't eat, for example, do you work with them? or yeah, we, we work with okay. them. If they have a specific allergy, obviously we, we won't give them, you know, the yeah. allergy. Um more than anything, we try to make them understand why um, they need that those nutrients that we're wanting them to have. Mm -hmm. What is the reason behind it, mm -hmm. and and try to demonstrate. And they usually go along with because most of the time it's very empiric where they're following. They really don't know is because somebody told them or uh, they read some on somewhere in the internet that this is good for cancer and. That's what they do, and 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 when you tell them facts and the reasons behind it and why we want to maybe change the diet a little bit, uh, they understand most of the time. Okay, mm -hmm. that's great. That's yeah. great. Um, it, typically, it seems that most people um, have a very poor diet, not not a great diet, just in general day to day living. At least here in the U.S., it seems that way. I mean, we have fast food restaurants in every street corner. Okay, yeah, people so live off fast food. They're very, they're very good. It <laughs> yeah. tastes good, right? Yeah, it tastes good, yeah. Um, have you seen patients that go into a community therapy center and they're they're put on a, a tailored nutritional program where they've actually benefited in the short term just by yeah. having? Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, you know... Having a good diet doesn't mean that it doesn't taste good. Uh, so we try to make tasty food, you know, so they like it. And 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 most of the time they follow up with, with the diet that they uh, are having at, at ITC. And that's because it's, it's very nutritious, good for them, but also tastes good. They like what we prepare different recipes and dishes that we prepare. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, definitely they benefit quickly. Mm -hmm. When you give the proper diet, patients will notice difference with their energy and with their stamina quickly. Okay. Just because of that. 
That's great. Mm-hmm. When, they, when they go home, are the nutritionists available? Like if a patient needs to contact them after they go home, if they wanted a recipe or wanted to ask them a question about something, oh, yeah. are they they're available? That all the time. And actually when they leave, all, all the patients meet with their doctors for a home program. But also the nutritionist will meet with them to make sure that they follow their nutritional guidelines and the objectives that we have. And uh, yeah, and, and we even go with a recipe booklet, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, something else, too, that um, I noticed when I was there, and it seems like this is a regular part of, of um, what you do uh, for the patients. Three, I think it's three days a week. You have three different classes during the week for patients where they can go into a meeting room. And I think on one day... You explain all the treatments that they're having. There's a doctor in there explaining these are all the treatments. And then there's another day on nutrition. And I, I forget what the third day is about. But um, Yeah, we have different activities throughout the week. We have three days a week group meditation, for example. Mm-hmm. We have a, a, a welcome orientation where we explain the guidelines or the general information. We have a... We have two nutrition classes. One of the nutrition classes is just to try to understand the nutrients and what it means, you know, what they do and what they're, and and we have the other nutrition class, which is more like how to prepare the food. Okay. 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 Those are those uh, on Fridays. And uh, yeah, we have other classes as well about the different treatments that we do. Mm-hmm. And those are the four different classes that we have throughout the week. That's fantastic. Yeah, Tuesday through Friday. Mm-hmm. So the um, the patients are getting an education. Yeah, yeah. well, they, it's important that they understand why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always are talking with them personally, their doctors, myself, about it. Mm-hmm. But also in a more general, uh, in, a, in a class, so they understand the, this the science behind it okay. more than anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're not, they're not just doing this blindly. They have a, a better understanding of why they're doing it. And then they can put their faith and trust in the whole process. Itself. Exactly. That that's also true, but uh, it's important for me that I, they understand what we're doing mm-hmm. or the objectives that we have with each different treatment. Mm-hmm. The reason why we're giving them that treatment in combination with the other ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. I want to go back and revisit something you said earlier. Uh, we were talking about you have a hospital inpatient, you have outpatients, and those that are non-functional may need to stay in the hospital, et cetera. But you mentioned also that you have a couple of operating rooms that yeah. you're equipped with. And so if there's an emergency or maybe it's not even an emergency, maybe it's a, a preventative measure that must be taken, but you're equipped to yeah. do surgeries there. Yeah, we are a full certified hospital. Mm-hmm. We have latest technology and very um well we're we're whatever you will find in a very good hospital here in the u.s uh yeah and their surgical situation unavoidable surgical situation sometimes there are patients that have very big tumors that are causing sepsis or infection and you need to remove that tumor that it's already infected there are times where there's suddenly bowel obstructions that you need to correct. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of different surgical scenarios mm-hmm. that we need to be able to do. Uh, 
Uh, normally, our oncology surgeon is Dr. Zavala, Jorge Zavala. He helped us a lot there. And um, and 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 we have state-of-the-art uh, surgery room to the point right now I was mentioning that we need to build another one because mm -hmm. one is not enough right now. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, <clears throat> so so trying to be as complete as we can in the service that we provide. That that's fantastic. So everything is there on site and anything the patient needs, they can they can receive it right there on site. That's whatever is needed, yeah. That is that's wonderful. Um <clears throat> how many patients are are you able to to serve there every day like i mean yeah well we have a norm a number of right now we're a little bit full we have like 35 patients or so but i'm comfortable with 25 28 you know mm -hmm. patients on a daily basis okay outpatients yes inpatients it's a separate system so they have their own nurses and their own orient but as an outpatient probably i feel comfortable with around 28, 30 patients or so. Mm -hmm. That's where we feel comfortable mm -hmm. with the amount of staff that we have mm -hmm. and the amount of devices that we have. Okay. Because obviously, if we have more than that, we need more staff and we need more devices and things can complicate a little bit. So we try to keep it like that. When a patient comes in uh, for the day, uh, how many days a week are they going to be there? And when they come in, how long, how many hours of the day are they going to be there for? Uh, normally, they are there like for um, Monday through Saturday. We mm -hmm. let them rest Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, the, 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 we have two shifts, the morning shift and the afternoon. Mm -hmm. The morning shift, patients come in like around 8. They finish the treatment around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. We do a series of treatments, therapies, IVs, etc. every day. The afternoon shifts come in like around 1, 12.30, 1, and they finish around 7, 7.30 mm -hmm. in the afternoon. So it's like 6, 7 hours or they're going to be there at the hospital mm -hmm. uh, getting treatments. And um, and we let them, like I mentioned, we, they, all of them rest on, on Sunday. Okay. And while they're there, they have their meals there as well, That whether it's breakfast or lunch or supper. Exactly, or dinner, or, dinner or whatever. Okay. Got it. Yeah, we provide that. Yeah, mm -hmm. the the outpatients. Where are they staying at? Where do they Where do they go afterwards? Where we have our own apartment complex where they can stay. We 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 have a limited room of of apartments there, uh, and 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 different um, hotels and 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 uh, around the hospital uh, support us with us. There's the Quartz Hotel. There is the. Uh, Realine, there is a well. There's different ones that mm -hmm. that that usually patients like a lot. The quartz that's mm -hmm. that's near where we are, where our building is, and uh, and they take them to the hospital and pick them up and return them to the hotel. So mm -hmm. we do the same with patients that are staying with uh, at our apartment, ITC apartment. So mm -hmm. so yeah. Um, we try to make it easy for everybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That's really, really good. So, all right. Great. One thing that you offer everybody that contacts Immunity Therapy Center 
is a free doctor consultation before they come. Talk to us about that. I, I mean, yeah. a lot of times when I think about going to the doctor, I think, well, I got to pay the doctor to see him or to talk to him or whatever. But uh, explain this. Well, again, going back to what we were talking about initially, we want to make sure that we are going to be able to help, right? That's why it's very important for me that the doctors talk with the patient uh, first contact when they request. First of all, is for ourselves to see <clears throat> how much help we can provide. Mm-hmm. There are some times that patients call us in the situations where we're not able to help and we tell them that, that we're not able to receive them because of this or, or that. Um, also, sometimes uh, patients want to know what they're going to do or what the treatment consists of and uh, it's important that comes from a doctor that knows what the intention of each therapy with a particular situation is so so yeah it, it goes both ways so it's for the benefit of the patient coming uh, trying to for them to understand what we're trying to do but it's also for us to to know that we are able to help and that um, we don't want somebody that we are not able to help to come for no for with no uh, objective or very precise objective or goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. And and this is a phone call they're making to your team. Yeah, definitely. We, when they contact us first and they send their lead their their information. We are going, we contact them and ask them when they want this mm-hmm. consultation to happen and we schedule it and we follow up on it. If somebody calls Immunity Therapy Center today, could they get a doctor consultation today? Yeah, absolutely. If they want to, yeah, absolutely. Same day. Same day. No, no, yeah. no waiting a week or two weeks. No, 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 not at all. No, again, <laughs> communication and having fast communication is very important for us. So, yeah, we will accommodate one way or the other. If the patient wants to talk with somebody the same day, we make sure that they talk with a doctor the same day. It's a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Uh, How many total treatments or therapies does a patient receive in any given day, just approximately? It's around, not counting the IVs, probably like around 8 to 10 treatments every day. Okay. Different therapies or whatever, as you know, we do a customized. You know, um, we do a customized treatment for each patient. So, so we depends on their condition, their diagnosis. But usually, they do like around eight to ten treatments every day. Plus the IVs. Plus the IVs. Yeah. So you just said something. So the patients are not all receiving the same exact protocol. It's tailored. Yeah. It's tailored to their needs. Obviously, we use whole body hyperthermia, for example, with everybody, but depends on their situation, the time and the intensity. The same with local hyperthermia or or RIFE, for example, therapy. They will receive different frequencies specific for them. Uh, Local hyperthermia will be specifically for the type of tumor that they have or the time that they need for that particular treatment. Uh, so like that with every with everybody, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's customized, yeah. Okay, it's good mm-hmm. to know. And then during those daily 
meetings that you have with your doctors, any adjustments that need to be made for a patient will get adjusted depending exactly. on the present condition. Obviously, we were talking about the low-dose targeted form of chemo that we have, like the DPT or IPT. Mm -hmm. Medications are different for everybody depending their type of cancer, of okay. course. So, yeah, things change. There are some things that we do uh, apparently the same, but it's different. We might be using the same device, but with a very different uh, intensity or time than, than other patient. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. And how are you, how do you monitor the patient, um, how they're progressing on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you, well, are there tests you're running or what do you do? Well, there's some cancers that we can do tumor markers on a weekly basis. There's some cancers that we can follow up with CEA or PSA or different tumor markers mm -hmm. for different types of cancers. Uh, there are other ones that we use CT scan. We have our own CT scan at the hospital. So we, we do imaging studies. So, so we do the same like conventional testing to follow up on their response. Okay. Yeah. Got mm -hmm. it. One of the things that I would like you to address, and I don't know if it's more rumor or factual, but you'll let us know in the United States, the medical decisions seem to be driven by blood labs and images but in Mexico, it seems that it's blood labs are taken into consideration, images, and then also how the patient is presenting themselves. This third component, which doesn't always seem to come into play in the U.S., is this accurate? Is this true? And if so, why? Or Definitely. It's important. One of the most important thing is that the patient feel better and that the pain subsides or their symptoms go away. Obviously, that's a good way of us knowing with clinical experience that things are going well. Obviously, you want to be some most of the time or you want to be a little bit more objective than that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so definitely tumor markers nowadays are, there's a lot of different things that can throw off a, a tumor marker. Okay. Infections, nutritional condition, there's a lot of different factors that can throw off a, a, a tumor marker in blood. So we need to be careful with that. Actually, in many places, they're not doing tumor markers anymore because of that reason. Mm. So one of the most objective ways of knowing exactly how things are doing is through CT scan or a PET scan. You okay. know, uh, imaging obviously is, is a gold standard. Mm -hmm. to, 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 to evaluate the response. Timing, it's important. When to do these tests is important because you need to wait until the full effect of the, all the treatments, um, you know, are visible. If you do it before, like normally we want to wait a, a month or two months in between CT scans at least because sometimes treatments take time you know, to reflect mm -hmm. their response. Uh, so that's why um, sometimes patients want to know mm. quickly mm -hmm. how they're doing, but sometimes we need to wait. <clears throat> Obviously, CT scanner, CT scans, PET scans, all of these tests have toxicity in relation with them. So you cannot do them like too often. Mm -hmm. could be not good for the cancer situation itself. So definitely you want to to wait 
But the best way to find out how you're doing is through a, an imaging study, either MRI or CT scan or PET scan or something like that. Okay. So patients, after they get treatments, it's better to wait, let those treatments have their effect, and then mm-hmm. get get a couple months down the line or maybe three, I don't know, and then do an image to get a better snapshot. Because if you take a snapshot too soon, it may not tell the whole story just yet. No, like with... We are attacking a cancer. We are attacking, like, with dif- through different treatments, mm-hmm. we are attacking the cancer. So it's like when you have, like, a, a hit on your eye, it will inflame. Mm-hmm. It's the same with a tumor. If you are attacking it and hitting it with different things, it's going to create initially an inflammatory response. It's, it could look even bigger than what really is. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So, so you want to wait until that process uh, goes away to mm-hmm. really see how it is. Okay, let mm-hmm. it go through its death cycle if it's dying. Exactly. Okay, that's exactly what I mean. Got it. Mm-hmm. All right, that's good. That's good for everybody to to understand because um, I'm sure you know for and rightfully so for for a, can- a cancer patient they are. They're anxious, right? They're anxious to get better. They they want, yeah. they're, they're hoping, right, that they're going to get better. Usually when patients come in and they start doing our treatments, they feel better. And that's one of the best markers that we have, how, how they're, that they feel better is the whole point. Mm-hmm. And typically when a patient goes in initially, how long are they going to be there for, typically? Well, there are some pe- patients that can be there for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are circumstances many times that we request patients to stay a little bit longer than that, usually between six to nine weeks, Mm -hmm. because the majority of the patients that we receive are in a stage four, Mm. where the cancer, unfortunately, spread to other areas, and we might need uh, more time. Obviously, three weeks sounds like a lot, but when dealing with this situation, uh, most of the time is not enough. So, so um, yeah, sometimes they need to stay a little bit longer than three weeks, but uh, some cases they stay not all of them. Uh, if, if patients cannot stay, uh, we give them a home program, but usually three, three weeks is enough for us to, 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 in some cases, to have a very good response. Okay. okay, so our only in advanced situations, we request them to stay a little bit longer. So... Most of these patients that are coming in are stage four, and so if they're stage four, they've they've already had conventional treatment. Most of them, most of them, yeah, they come already with, yeah, probably I will say like around eighty five, ninety percent already come with previous treatments. Well, yeah, so their immune systems are already impaired, they're already difficult. in a difficult situation, and even in those situations, we're able to get good results. Wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, the human body is an amazing creation. It's an amazing creation. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's If you give them what they need to heal, uh, likely heal will happen. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're just creating the environment for the body to set yeah. itself up to fight and to get One better. One of the things that possible. we do, many times we have to be very proactive on destroying the tumor that it's already there, mm-hmm. but also very important part of it. Is like you're saying, creating the right conditions for the body to heal. Mm-hmm. I know one of the things um, that is real important um, 
as you're assessing the patient is when you have to come to that decision that you've already done all you can, they really need to go home. Um, and nobody likes to talk about, you know, losing or death or dying or what have you. But the reality is we're all going to pass away from something. Yeah. But as a medical doctor, as you're looking and assessing patients on a daily basis, what are the factors in the human body that have to happen where you where you say to yourself, they need to go home now because we've done all we can. They really need to go home. What are some things that you're looking at functionally in a body, in a human body? Specifically, the bilirubin levels. You know, that is one of the main markers that we have. Liver function in general, more particular bilirubin, total bilirubin levels. You know, when we see a patient that already have a very deteriorated deteriorated liver function where the uh, total bilirubin levels are increasing and they are developing this jaundice uh, if there is a bilirubin that it's increasing higher than 9 10 it means that likely they need to go home okay yeah particularly that will be like the key issue obviously there are other reasons that we tell patients to, to go back home. It's where there's a situation that we see that we're not seeing any response or that very small amount, but sometimes, unfortunately, we see it. And that happens likely because patients have a lot of chemotherapy before and their immune system, it's already depleted they lose the ability to respond. That happens. In, unfortunately, when you receive a lot of chemotherapy, your immune system loses the ability to respond. So, so that sometimes happens. There are patients that because of that develop, develop like pneumonias or infections or mm -hmm. situations where uh, they can be deal with better in, in a U.S. hospital, you know, infections, you mm -hmm. know, strokes or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have, we have to remember that the main objective that they're there is because of their cancer situation and the alternative treatment mm -hmm. that they're going, uh, the alternative therapy treatment that they're going to receive. So all of those situations that happen and we're not able to deal with, uh, that's when we, Tell the patient that it's better to to get to a U.S. hospital. You mm -hmm. know, U.S. hospitals are really good with those issues. So, okay. So, uh, and then when they deal with that situation and they can get they get better, they can always come back. Got that it. happens often. Yeah. Okay. With those type of patients, it's good to know that. Mm -hmm. It's good to know that there is a plan in place, and obviously, you're 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 a medical doctor, but. Yes. If the patient passes this threshold, we need to let them know. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's time to leave. Get back home. Get to a U.S. hospital. What have you? Yeah, that's fair. That's mm -hmm. that's good. It's it's better to know the facts. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we're human, and we're very serious about the work we do, and um, we're trying to to get them better. And uh, but unfortunately, there's sometimes that patients are very depleted, are very immunologically speaking, mm -hmm. physically. 
So so sometimes we do as much as we can, and sometimes we have to make those decisions. Right. Yeah. I remember uh, I was at a community therapy center, and I was at one year, I think it was a meeting room that's, that's there for the patients. But there is a plaque up on the wall that a family gave you. And I think it was on behalf of the care you gave to the mother. I think it was Mrs. Reyes was her name or maybe. Uh, Rouge. No, I, I think there was a. There's a. Yeah. Somebody gave you, it was a family that gave you a plaque and thanked you for the amount of care that you gave to the patient. It's in the. Uh, period of time. It's in the. Uh, let me remember. It's in the uh, conference room? Yes, the conference room. Okay. That's where it's at, the conference room. Yeah, that it's uh, uh, Francisco, yeah, mother. Yeah, I, remember, I remember her well. It's a lady from Tijuana, actually, okay. local patient. Uh-huh. Difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because the people that, you know, that they know you is hard. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, it was Francisco's mother and a friend of a family member. She had a very rare type of cancer and uh, very depleted. And she came to us in a very bad situation. And we were able to help her for years. Unfortunately, she passed away, but the family was very grateful. Mm-hmm for all the effort that we did. And actually she responded well for many years. Mm-hmm. And um, and and they send us, and, and that's one that I put there because mm-hmm. it's a local family that we know mm-hmm. and uh, means a lot to us. So mm-hmm. I put it there. But thank God we receive many of those messages. Mm-hmm. If you go to my office, you'll see my whole office full of mm-hmm. cards, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Thank you cards and messages and letters that mm-hmm. they send me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's what we like. And that's probably a good parameter to see, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the good results that we're having. Yeah, because it's really touching when you get a message like that from a family member and their loved one has passed on. Because we always think of, well, the win is always I get better and I get healed. But the reality is sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes someone passes on. But when the the surviving family members are saying, thank you for the care that you gave to my mom or my dad or my, my husband or wife or, or what have you, that's really important because especially like coming out of COVID in the United States, there were people that were separated from their loved ones that were in a hospital with COVID and their 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 family member actually died in a hospital alone. Up to this day, they don't allow you to go in into any U.S. hospital. <laughs> To this day, mm-hmm. if you have cancer, you go by yourself alone. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, they are relaxing a little bit more the, the policy, but usually you can a normal visit cannot happen for many years now. For, for in between, a, between, host, between a family member and the patient. To today, be, if you to go to a sharp hospital, mm-hmm. they won't let you in. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so so family support is really important for the patient. Mm-hmm. You know, extremely and. Mm-hmm. And yeah, going back to the situation of, well, I just mentioned chart, but yeah. any hospital in mm-hmm. the U.S. Uh, the the and that's because of COVID. But well, those are just policy things. That, mm-hmm. um, going back to the uh, being uh, us, how we feel, it feels great. That's what we do, mm-hmm. you know. And that's the goal that we want. We want, obviously, we always expect the best outcome ideal outcome and we 
fight with all we have for that. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes, you know, when family members see that we are doing our best and we're trying to help them in any way we can, humanly possible, mm-hmm. they are grateful and they recognize that and and we feel very good about it. And uh, to give them that comfort and to give them that um, reassurance that 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 we're gonna keep doing what we think is is right mm-hmm. and helping them. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of care you wish your dad would have received. Uh, yeah, basically, unconsciously or subconsciously, that's what I want. You know, that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Some support because we were alone completely. You know, we were. Like having the treatments, but no direction, no, no understanding or, you know, even though I was a doctor back then already, a young, very young doctor, but Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have the experience that I have right now, obviously. But, but yeah, definitely that's the care that I will like, I will like for my father Mm -hmm. back then that we didn't get. It's great. Unfortunately. It's great. Well, you're paying it forward. You're giving it to others, and that's what matters. I'm trying to make a difference in that way, if you can say that. Yes, absolutely. That's great. Dr. Bautista, what is the number one thing that a patient should know or become aware of when they get a cancer diagnosis? That there are options, right? Um. Most of the time, what patients get news like this, it's a shock, you know, it's a shock for the patient itself and the family and everybody around. So the decision-making process sometimes is not with a clear mind, you know. Mm -hmm. So probably the first thing is to take things calmly, not panic, right, because it's not easy to get news like this, and uh, you have to think really well your options, okay? Usually, doctors, mostly here in the States, but that's a rule everywhere, they will go right into the worst-case scenario. If you get a cancer situation, they the patient, the news or the information they have is you're going to die basically, mm. right? That's that's the most, more when when they find metastasis or they find that it's a little bit outside or, or, or leave notes are affected or something like that. Uh, the mind goes or the information actually that they receive is very grim, very negative information. And that's understandable, right? There's a legal part of it that here is very important, probably more important than the human part, right? Because Mm. you're overwhelmed with this negative information, which is understandable, but, but probably not easy to do. But one of my main message is that there are options even in a stage four situation options that are proven to be to work and to survive this problem and and 
And one of the main things that I will tell somebody that gets news like this is to be calm and to be open to options. Likely, you're going to be told that you have to do this chemo or this radiation. If not, you're going to die in such and such time. And, um, but no, there are other, other options and with, with good results. And um, I will tell them that basically to think their options thoroughly and to get information, to be informed is very important to talk with people, different people, uh, get uh, look for testimonials for different treatments, and uh, more than anything, be calm and have hope. You know that things are going to go well. Don't go into the negative state of mind right away. That's what I will. My advice will be. That's powerful because, you know, it speaks to fear and, and many, I guess, bad decisions are made when a person is fearful. They're really shocked and scared. Um, how often do you think that's happening with cancer? Like bad decisions are being... And, and recently there was an experience in my family where, uh, well, this person was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer and uh, she was in good condition, generally speaking. But she went into this state of mind that didn't, the information that he, she got was so powerful that she didn't want to do anything. And, mm -hmm. and she, I told, I spoke with this patient and told her that there was things, options, you know, that it was not that final. But she decided to do euthanasia, you know, the, in California, is legal that you can get, you can take some pills and die. Oh. Yeah. So Euthanasia. she decided to do that. Really? Yeah. How tragic. Yeah. I get, the fear can get to that extreme, you know, where your fear of what they told you is going to happen, that you will paralyze and do nothing. Wow. So, so she just decided to end her life. She decided to end her life. How sad. How sad. Yeah, more when I know that it, they were things to do. I try to inform and tell and say, tell her. Mm -hmm. But it is a situation where each of us make our own decisions, but mm -hmm. the decisions are influenced by what you're told. And, and uh, in my experience, I knew that there were options to do. Mm-hmm. We treated many patients with that particular cancer as well. So I knew, you know, that, that there were things to do with the possibility of a good response. Mm -hmm. But um, but no, she... Her mind just know. wasn't, it was not engaged with any of the... Well, how old was she? I think she was in her 70s or so. She, she was in good condition, even when, hmm. when she did that, she... Well, she was started, they told me, started to have some issues, but huh. but in general, she was able to do some treatments. What what type of cancer was it that she was diagnosed with? Well, it's a personal okay. thing, so I don't Fair want enough. To, Fair enough. To, to go into specifics, but mm -hmm. uh, it was more an, an example of of how fear can paralyze you. Okay. You know, and, and, and can 
affect you to that degree on on not <clears throat> looking for options. So the doctors, the, the way the doctor delivers news is really it's very crucial, extremely important, and that's something that is not here, and not here in the U.S. but other places as well. Uh, you have to have ways of telling this kind of things, not just you have this and this is going to happen, da, 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 and these are the statistics. Da, 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 da. So you are like, well, me as a doctor, I can understand the number or the research or whatever, but a normal person with no medical knowledge, it's overwhelming, mm-hmm. scary, you know? So, so you can get to that degree. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So the way that the doctor delivers the the diagnosis or this this type of information, it can play a role in recovery. Definitely. Um, And even plays out their own doctor's beliefs, okay? Hmm. Because here in the U.S., unfortunately, you're limited to a certain treatments and basically um, are insurance dictated you know treatments that you can do that insurance companies will accept to pay for each patient so guidelines for treatments are like that for patients Mm -hmm. and those are the only options that you have Mm -hmm. so doctors also have these preconceived ideas sometimes that other than that is bad you know and and I'm a training doctor. I'm a trained doctor in that mentality, and I understand <clears throat> that everything needs to be, you know, based on science and numbers. And and we agree with that. Or mm-hmm. all of our treatments are based with science and numbers. Mm-hmm. And but they're out of these box, you know, conventional box. Mm-hmm. And even. In that situation, we got we have good numbers, right? But do- some doctors here, they have these guidelines with different lines of chemotherapies or different types of treatments, and um, they reflect this on the patient, mm. right? So they give their guidelines options and they tell them like there's nothing else. Mm understand what i'm saying so so this is this is this other than this you're going to die so so no that the message is that there's other things with good numbers good statistics even good research that is out of this box that can give you good results as well so um, i'm not against these chemo guidelines or whatever (coughs) they work in very specific cases the majority of cases they don't work but that's when I'm coming in trying to give this message. It's real powerful because what I hear you saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that obviously like in, in the United States, the medical doctor is... But ta- I'm not talking about only the U.S. Right, worldwide. Or, worldwide. Right. That uh, happens everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. So, But the, the medical doctor looks at, okay, here's what insurance is going to pay for, which is conventional medicine. And here's the statistics for this type of patient and the outcome, which doesn't look very good. And he buys into that or she buys into that as a medical doctor that, well, 
it's not going to be good. It, there's already a negativity and, and, and we've already lost. They know it, knowing that they have a 20% chance of response, they do it. When Hippocrates, the, 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 the Hippocrates thing that you do when you graduated as a doctor, mm -hmm. you do the Hippocratic oath. oath. Yeah, the Hippocratic mm -hmm. Oath. You are not supposed to do that because you know it's going to fail. <laughs> you know, you have like 10%, 15%, and you're causing more damage than good. Yeah, do no harm. Good. Yeah, do no harm, right. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I'm coming. So they, they buy into this belief that only doing this is the right thing. Mm-hmm. Understand what yeah, I'm of trying course. to say? Yeah, and, and if the numbers mm -hmm. look like it's going to fail, they deliver the message like, mm -hmm. what's going to fail? I mean, it's mm -hmm. this is all we have. and Exactly, and they do it. And they cause a lot of side effects and problems and make the situation worse. And the, and the, and the, and the patient is traumatized and afraid. Imagine. Yeah, so it's really hard treatments to have. And, uh, and yeah, so the thing is that how you give these news... To a patient going back to that is going to have a very powerful uh, effect on on the decision that you make, you know, and to the point where well, this happened with a close person, and mm -hmm. and, and uh, even myself with all the experience and and all the small, uh, little, or lot knowledge that I have on these situations. I was not able to convince this person to do otherwise. Wow. And she decided to do this dramatic end. So that's probably a good example on how important, you know, this, how to give this information is. A lack of compassion can kill someone. Basically, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Wow. Amazing, amazing story. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, why, what are some of the things that a patient can receive in Mexico or Tijuana, Mexico that they can't receive in the United States? What are, and does that mean that because they can receive them in Mexico and they can't in the United States that they're, well, those are dangerous treatments or therapies that they're doing in Mexico because that's why they're not legal in the United States. What that's the same situation that we're talking about that is not in this box. It doesn't mean that it's bad. Um, the, the thing is that what FDA, which is the one that regulates agency mm -hmm. that regulates everything here, uh, they, um, they have certain rules, right. To prevent. So, there's some medication that are under research right now. Mm -hmm. And um, because of the process that it must go through to be able to be given to the patient here, it's a process of around 20 years. Mm -hmm. So something that is working right now, it will be available to the public probably like in 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. um, there's some treatments like hyperthermia, well, hyperthermia, some hospitals are already doing it here in the U.S., mm -hmm. some treatments. But there's some treatments that are not going to get to that degree uh, of FDA approval, but it doesn't mean that it they don't work. Okay, definitely. They're research done in other countries, mm -hmm. and they are even approved in other countries. In Europe, are a little, Germany in particular, is more a little bit more relaxed on 
on doing on allowing this type of treatments in Mexico. In particular, we have to have some research protocols to be and they're supervised by the government for us to be able to do this type of treatments. It's not like we have a free hand on doing everything we want just because we want. Mm -hmm. There's some regulation, there's some regulation there that we need to follow. So um the the US is great. They have the best medical, you know, advances and it's great, but what it's available to the public right now is not everything there is. There's many other things that are very knowledgeable, are very useful and 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 have very good results. Mm-hmm. But the process that it takes for something to get to the public is very, mm. very, very, very long. long. So that's why we have to go out of the FDA jurisdiction mm-hmm. to be able to do this type of treatments. Mm-hmm. But we have good numbers. We have good research behind it. And we are supervised as well. Okay. So it's not it's not like Mexico healthcare is running wild. I mean, there's no, a there, no, there's a government there that's overseen as well. But yeah, we have our own yeah. uh, agencies and our own regulation and our codes and everything that mm-hmm. we need to follow. The benefit is if somebody goes to Tijuana, Mexico, right now, you know, to immunity therapy center, for example, somebody goes there, they're going to be able to receive maybe a, a drug or some type of treatment or therapy that just has not been approved in the United States and may never well be approved, but there are, mm-hmm. there's some good data behind it and why you should incorporate it. Yeah. And, 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 uh, in nowadays, <clears throat> the surprise is that many alternative treatments are now went through that process and are now being able to be given in the U S we're talking about different intravenous solutions, different therapies like hyperthermia, mm-hmm like local hyperthermia. So there's many, I cannot think of specifically, but there are many that different clinics and hospitals are giving right now to patients that were 10 years ago, they were not able to. Right. So, so now that is happening, but that's because already went through that very long process. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is giving these treatments right today. And, and, and we are able to do that because um, of the of the uh, of the Mexican government allowing us to do it through some specific regulations. Okay, mm-hmm. that's great. That's encouraging. That is encouraging. Where do you think the future of cancer treatment is? Where 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 what are some of the new things that where you think mm, this is hopeful? This, this could really really benefit us yeah. in getting the upper hand with cancer. Well, cancer to have cancer, a lot of things need to happen. Genetically, you know, how you are, you have to have certain genetic predisposition, environmental, you know, diet. A lot of things needs to 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 come together for a person to develop a cancer. They're different there's a lot of variables, okay? That's why it's so difficult to treat cancer. Mm. Because even in the same Colon cancer, the same type of cancer, genetically can be very different. So one cancer will respond really well to something and the next patient, it won't. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's very difficult. I don't think there's not going to be a silver bullet, you know. 
But I think what offers more hope is immunotherapy. Mm. Uh, ways we're still in diapers. We've been doing, we were one of the first that we started doing or addressing the importance of the immune system in cancer, trying to do it through methods that we think and we were proven right later on that doing these different um, stimulations and trying these different procedures uh, are going to have a very beneficial effect on cancer, but still we need to identify so many different proteins, so many different genetic expressions in different types of cancers and develop specific medications or whatever that are going to modify that expression. That is very difficult. But definitely, I think at least our institution is in the right direction. And we already have very good results with it. Obviously, we want to cure everybody. Sometimes it's, we don't we don't do it, but we always try. But I think the field that offers more hope is immunotherapy. Objectively, that's what I can answer you. Got it. Okay. Because immuni- immunotherapy would mean... The Means develop- a lot. Yeah, the, the the development of maybe different medications that procedures, yeah, or checkpoints, and work with the immune system so that the immune system can adapt to the environment that it's in. To- but again, there's these all other stimulation, external stimulation from the environment. You know, so that need to be addressed as well. You still have still have to do that. You still need to take care of yeah. that too. So it's all these variables that is difficult. It's gonna be almost impossible because all the industries all these other things for example pollution most of the time works more as estrogen like stimulation hmm. many chemicals do that that are used in industries that are thrown into the water or into the air right that means that Many of those behave like estrogen-like stimulation in the body. In um, in a female, in a woman that have already the predisposition to develop breast cancer, mm-hmm. that have the, the the right genetic, if you put them in contact now with this more polluted environment, with this type of substances, a a a a girl, five six years old is going to be constantly stimulated with this estrogen-like substances through the water or through the air or whatever oh so 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 that stimulation is going to be there and then you can do everything to fight the tumor and everything or have the latest medications but if that is not corrected the stimulation is going to be there and the cancer will happen so the same with different toxic Things that will make your immune system to suppress to suppress function. A lot of the problems with developing cancer is because, well, toxicity, you know, heavy metal toxicity, chemical toxicity, all of these toxicities are very important because finally what it's going to create, it is an immune suppression. 
immune and, and and if your immune system is not able to respond anything can happen right from and and unfortunately what happens with all these <clears throat> stimulation uh, tumor happens lymphomas um you know there was this pollutant that it was in in weed killer mm-hmm. that it's proven yeah. that mm-hmm. if if you are in contact with that you're going to have lymphoma so so like that many things unfortunately so you need to change that and that's what we know and those were very obvious cases mm-hmm. there where the relation was made mm-hmm. but there's like a thousand million side of chemicals thrown into the environment that are causing this type of reactions mm-hmm. So all of that needs to be addressed as well at the same time. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is why we're having more and more children getting cancer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. There's a very direct relation between toxic environment and cancer development. Hmm. Yeah. So the immune systems of children are being suppressed or defeated at younger ages, or they're beginning to have to... Mm-hmm. To bear a load, I guess, at an earlier Absolutely. Age. It's not the same toxic load that we had to go through when we were young than the children right now. Mm-hmm. Industries and everything are more... They Well, nowadays, seems like there's more aware, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of that, of this problem. But I think more is needed, definitely, to the point where diseases like this are affected a lot more needs to happen mm-hmm. in the with the with our environment okay wow yeah because you mentioned earlier there you don't think there's ever going to be a silver bullet for cancer it's going to be a multifaceted approach it needs to be from controlling the environment controlling our bodies what we put in there so there's different variables so you can have you can have a very good medication that will destroy a tumor completely. But likely if all this stimulation and this all these toxic situations keep happening, the cancer will come back or will spread, you know? Hmm. Because when a cancer happens, even when we notice it, when you, the patient is aware of having it, even in a stage one, there's already cancer cells circulating in the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can kill the tumor and you can do everything. But if you don't take care of the immune system to protect you from this cancer from coming back, it's it's going to come back. So if you have all these toxic environment and bad situations that will suppress your immune system, likely that will happen. So definitely it needs to be a multi-level approach. Uh, meaning that different at uh, different levels uh, need this needs to be addressed from mm-hmm. the environmental mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. research on on different um, immunotherapies mm-hmm. for different cancers. And we are not we're talking about cancer if it was one, but there's hundreds different types of cancers. Mm-hmm. So this you 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 make that. You make the the math, and it's 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 a very enormous task. Yeah, because a lot of times when people think about cancer, they they think of it like, well, it's all the same. But you had just mentioned there's over a hundred different types of cancers, probably over two hundred cancers. Yeah. I mean, and then there's subtypes, within and within the them, they're different. Even with the same type, 
they have different genetic expressions they will respond to something the next one will not so and this is why you mm -hmm. can have two patients on the same protocols or maybe even slightly different protocols and they have two completely different responses yes mm -hmm. why one does better one doesn't yeah absolutely one survives and the other one die and you give you have the same patient basically mm-hmm Mm -hmm. yeah, and then the other component that you mentioned earlier was the fear, which is all mental, right? That the if patient... you add to that, yeah, absolutely. Emotions are really important as well. You know, mm -hmm. the emotional response, how you're, well, it's already documented the relation between stress and cancer, you know, mm -hmm. and we come back to the reason because stress will suppress your immune response. That's basically what happens. Mm. So, 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 yeah, definitely stress, emotions are an important part of many people say that after suffering a traumatic event, they develop cancer. Mm -hmm. But that's because of the stress suppressing the immune response. Well, yeah. So we really need to stay, so, stay calm. But there's different variables. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not one thing or one reason why you have or develop a cancer. Mm -hmm. There's many different parts of it. Genet to genetic to the environment so mm -hmm. that's why the difficulty on on fighting this problem got it well so i have a question for you god forbid god forbid but if dr bautista got a cancer diagnosis tomorrow stage four what would you do i look my options i'm not depending on the type of cancer right because what i'm saying for example testicular cancer responds well to chemotherapy and we have a testicular cancer that we know are going to respond well to chemotherapy, we'll tell them, you know, you know what, this cancer responds well, you have 95% chance of being in remission with this particular type of chemo protocol, so do it, right? Um, if I have one of those cancers, then definitely I will have the chemotherapy because I know that my chances are on the part on the side of getting better and and and, and beat this cancer. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not what happens with many other cancers. Uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, for example, have good response with chemotherapy as well. So go so yeah, definitely. Um so depends, right? Again, what I'm trying to tell you is that I'm not close to anything. If whatever works Obviously, that is going to keep you in good condition. That's what I will do. That's what you would do for yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the things that you, the first, one of the first times that we ever met, you expressed to me that immunity therapy center was more than alternative medicine. Exactly. Explain what you mean by that. Exactly what I'm telling you right now on my, on, on a situation that you put me in. On 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 if you if I was diagnosed with cancer, we do whatever we think is going to work for the patient, okay. regardless if it's conventional or non-conventional. We want to keep the patient in good condition and give them the best chance of overcoming this problem. The problem is with chemotherapy and radiation that unfortunately chances in most of the time are against having a good result. That's the main issue. Uh, so that's why we do things different. But uh, again, we're more than alternative medicine because when we talk with patients, we put everything on the table, okay? And, and we make the decision along with the patient 
on what they want to do, obviously on our recommendations and legally we have to do it anyway, right? But um, but definitely uh, we want to combine most of the time. That's why we use this targeted form of low-dose chemo where we try to maximize the effect of using these conventional medications not affecting the body, mm-hmm. not affecting the immune system mainly. Mm-hmm. So so that's that's what I can answer you, mm-hmm. that we want the best for the patient and, and, and we have these alternative methods if you want to call them like that, but it's just part of a whole. Mm-hmm. Where where we want the best outcome. Right. That's all we want. It's an approach where you're protecting the immune system or strengthening the immune system as you're trying to kill cancer cells. Correct. Okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. That is good to know. What else do you think that patients should know about Immunity Therapy Center that we haven't discussed so far? Well, probably that's the main thing. What I was just mentioning that we're more than alternative medicine, that we are, that we care, mm-hmm. that we try to find an answer, mm-hmm. a solution to whatever problem, however complicated, um, and that we are going to follow through and and that we're going to be very honest and transparent about what we think and about what we think is going to happen. You have to remember that also patients pay for our treatment because they're not, we're not under any insurances or anything like that. So we are very conscious of that as well, mm-hmm. that patients uh, financially are doing this. Mm-hmm. And that plays also we want to maximize to make sure that we are of benefit, that we are a good investment for what they're paying us. We want to give them good results. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if we see that that we are not going to to give back, uh, we're we're very clear and honest about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would that makes a huge difference because obviously medical insurance will not pay for this. Patients making their own investment of their own dollars and cents into their own health care. So it's and our it's price is really <clears throat> modest compared to prices in the US. Sure. But still, you know, when when you are paying from your pocket, mm-hmm. it is difficult. Yeah. And we always want to make sure that definitely it is it is a good decision for them. Yeah. And at that, at that point too, you're not working for the health insurance company. You're working for the patient they're the customer. So yeah, it changes that's the, the way it should be. Mm-hmm. That's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Timing. Um, for the patient, how important is the timing to take action from the time they get a diagnosis? I mean, should a patient be waiting a year to make a decision on what they're going to do or what, what, how does timing play a role into into recovery or getting? It needs to be immediate. The thing is that cancer doesn't care about when you're getting treatments. They're growing every day. The cancers grow every day. They multiply by millions of cells every day. So definitely, the sooner the better that you get treatment. Unfortunately, because of overcrowding of the medical system here, first to get the diagnosis of the cancer, it can take you months. 
to begin with. You know, you go to the doctor and then you are having pain and then you get a month later a CT scan and then another two months for you to see the doctors and then another month for the biopsy and then another two months to something, right? So then already eight months pass and that's critical time in a cancer situation, mm. you know? Because obviously the more cancer load you have, the more chances that the cancer will go elsewhere or metastasized. So definitely timing on trying to get diagnosis and treatment needs to be as soon as possible. Unfortunately, because of overcrowding of the medical system takes a very long time to get to, get to the treatment phase. What you just described, that eight month, how quickly can that be done at Immunity Therapy Center? They, in, in a week. <laughs> in a, a week. week. Or maybe days even. Because we have all the resources there. And, and we have our own place to do the biopsy or own place to do our CT scanners or mm -hmm. doctors to review everything and... Mm -hmm. And to do the treatment right away. And you don't have the hurdle of the medical insurance industry either. It's just you don't have like, the hurdle. And that's and that's with everything, it's approved with no problems, right? Because definitely insurances will always question everything. Sure. And and um and that's very unfortunate. And that's very, very unfortunate. Yeah, because the patient is losing. They're losing time and they're losing, losing their life. Time and they're losing their life. Yeah. Okay. Got it. That's mm -hmm. that's 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 impressive. That, but what may take six or eight months in the United States could get done at Immunity Therapy Center. In it should be done like that everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. because these are life-threatening situations where it needs to be addressed quickly. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And you duplicate it on your daily your daily meetings with your doctors as well in order to make decisions quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, we sometimes we get patients. The minority of them, very small percentage, but come non -di not diagnosed already. So we do that process quickly, 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 in days. So we have everything ready to go. Impressive. That's great. Um, so um, sometimes we need specific markers or genetic mm -hmm. markers that they take about 10 days or so to have them back. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it takes a little longer than a week by days. But not long, not not like it is. It's good to know. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Bautista. That's really, really informative and really helpful. You're welcome, Robert. Dr. Bautista, um, we have covered a lot of topics today, and I want to say thank you. Thank you, mm -hmm. first of all, for becoming a doctor. Well. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm grateful that even though there was a difficult set of circumstances with your father that brought you to this place, I'm thankful that something good happened mm -hmm. through those set of circumstances, through that difficulty, that you've taken that energy to do good in the world. Mm -hmm. um, you're doing a good work. Continue to do the good work. You have an incredible team. I think it's, it's incredible that your team is made up of some people that you've known since childhood. Yeah. Some of them, yeah. yeah, some of them, right? I think yeah. that that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to hearing and seeing what the future will bring in the next 10, 15, 20 years at Immunity Therapy Center. Uh, we are um, optimistic that 
nothing but better things will continue to develop, right? As the years go on and as you continue to do research and, and learn new things. So we're really thankful for you coming in here today and for the work that you're doing. Well, thank you, Robert. It was an honor, a pleasure, sorry, a pleasure being here. Uh, and yes, well, yeah, life is like this, you know, you know, we know what direction is going to take. You need to be optimistic and you mm -hmm. need to fight back and, and, and do your best. And that's what I'm trying to do. You know, um, like you said, it was not easy. It's not easy dealing every day sometimes with this issue, with, with cancer. It gets to you sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, but you have to have the commitment and the discipline to keep researching, studying, and trying to be updated on, on all areas so we can give the best service. So, so my commitment is that, to continue doing the same and um well thank you for having me you know it, it is and uh, hopefully the message gets out you know mm -hmm. because it needs mm -hmm. to get out there like i mentioned for patients to know about this it's, it's very important mm -hmm. so so thank you thank you robert thank you to to your organization cancer doctors for having me for bring me, bringing me here mm -hmm. and Carlos and uh, we appreciate it a lot thank you very much thank you alright you take care <laughs>